Hello and welcome to Cold Pizza, our weekly podcast from Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio, where we take the opportunity to squeeze out every last bit we can from the proclamation of God's Word on Sunday. It's our chance to sit down with the preacher and tackle any further questions, applications, or any other bits of leftover crust to chew on that didn't make it into the main meal. So grab a slice with us and join us this week with our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> Back as hosting is myself, and then I have Pastor Matt. Hey guys, what's up? <laughs> I'm just uh, kidding. Pastor Jeff is so recovering just kidding. from apparently just kidding. the plague. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> it's Pastor Matt I'm hosting this week, I think for the first time, ain't it? We're here I- with Pastor Jeff. Hey guys, I I don't know. I think you've hosted once before. I think you hosted when Russ preached once. I think. Mm. Yeah, but he was here, so he's still kind of hosted. That's true. I was just kind of long for the. Ride. That is true. Whenever Russ is in the room, he always asks the questions, <laughs> which is the host job. The, the host, you got to be able to like process what's in front of you and where you're going mm-hmm. and all the random stuff that's said at the same time. Exactly. And I don't have the the processing ability that Russ no. has to do I that. I can't even like scratch my head and rub my belly at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't. I can't multitask. Just do everything awful. Uh, Nothing man. good. I was hoping you'd go ahead and try it right now. Hang on. <laughs> oh, I can't do it. He does. He got it. Hang on. So I can do it both hands. No, I can't do it. I can only do Left hand on top of the head, right hand on the <laughs> belly. That's weird. There you go. That's weird. <laughs> oh man! Well, this week's uh, sermon was titled "A Promise Is a Promise" from Hebrews chapter six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, thirteen to twenty. And uh, just a quick summary of your main points was uh, an example of hope, the assurance of our hope, and the object of our hope. Yeah. If I was Russ, I would say. Did it make sense? Was it helpful? Was it helpful? Yeah, he always says, did it make sense? Did that make sense? I say, yeah. Okay, good. And then he'll say, was that helpful? I say, that's super helpful, Russ, because that's what you always say. Super helpful. Super helpful. Well, that's super helpful. Yeah, I appreciate uh, you letting me preach that sermon, by the way. Yeah, man. I wasn't supposed to preach. I was scheduled for this coming week, and Matt graciously let me preach that sermon. Because mm-hmm. I'll be traveling on the weekend, and now he gets to preach like twenty <laughs> verses on Melchizedek. <laughs> so, so seriously, when I was looking at that, I was like, "All right, Jeff, that's good. I'll do it." <laughs> and then, but then uh, today, as I was um, as I started to mm-hmm. prepare this morning, I went and realized that the uh, the spreadsheet mm-hmm. has the wrong verses on it. Oh, so I only have to do verses one through ten. Oh, that's still a lot, though. So I copied and pasted all 20 verses into my note and yeah. started, like, breaking it breaking down. down. And then I was like, oh, my Lord. Like, this <laughs> this sucks. I should have. should have. Russ, where's Russ? Exactly. Russ will do it. Russ will do it, and he'll just look at it the night before. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <clears throat> so I was like, ah. Oh. So I, I don't know what made me go back to the spreadsheet where right. we keep the schedule. And I went, oh, thank God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> That's really funny. I almost started praying to so, Melchizedek so just, in that moment. There you go. Just 10 <laughs> verses instead of 20. Just 10. Well, because I was like, man, how do you, like, hey, this goes together, but, right. man, and you really could preach 1 through 25. Yeah, he gets, mm-hmm. he just gets really detailed. He gets really excited about yeah. Melchizedek, which is cool. I, yeah. I did a little extra study ahead this yeah. past week, and it's really, it's really cool. You can really nerd out on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, I yeah I don't want to preach my sermon yeah. for Sunday. I'm I'm 
halfway there yeah, um, good. now. But uh, at first, as I was studying, I'm like, oh, like, how do I even, how do I put this together? Right. Like, great, there's this guy named Melchizedek. What do I, what do, I do with right. him? Right. Well, I, that's the hard thing with Hebrews, man. Like, how high do you fly? How low do you fly? Mm-hmm. I, th- I think we're doing a pretty good job oh, yeah. of, yep. of flying at the at the right altitude. I you know, looking at that passage that I preached yesterday. I could have, uh, I could have preached each of those sections. Give this, this um, example of hope on Abraham. I could have just preached a lot more on that. I had a lot more notes just on that, and then um, the assurance, this idea of God making this double promise. I just. It was just really cool to look through that over and over mm-hmm. again, which is funny because the author is basically just saying, God said what he said. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. But, it's, but he's just such a master with, with wordplay, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and he's such a master of the Old Testament. Yeah. And so it's really cool to see how he weaves all this together. But I could have, yeah, well, I could have preached a, a separate sermon on each section. Yeah, you know, the, I mean, the joy, uh, one of the joys of going through a book like this is that you, we're going to say... We have been saying a lot of the same things over and over and over again. Yeah. But if you're doing good, faithful exposition, mm-hmm. you're going to really zero into that passage, and you're going to say it the way that passage is saying it. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of that is then, you know, it doesn't lose my personality and my um, uniqueness as a preacher to do that. Right. But what it does is it brings a different flavor so that I don't sound like the same uh, gong every single week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's still, you know, my, 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 my God-given uniqueness is still going to come out. But if I stay to that passage, mm-hmm. then it's going to force me to, to talk about it in a way that uh, maybe I'm more comfortable talking about it the way he did two chapters ago. Sure. You know? Um, so, uh, I think that's, uh, that's a helpful thing. So, um, well, let's get off to this, uh, first question here. Yeah. What are some things, um, that we need to, in, uh, to imitate from the life of Abraham? I know this was some, yeah. something that we talked about in the office ahead of time, really these first two questions. Yeah. Um, and, but I mean, you did a great job of painting, I, I feel like the, uh, both the, I mean the reality of the good that Abraham did, mm-hmm. um, and and really the the thrust of the passage and Hebrews is of the good that Abraham did. It is, but we can't overlook the historical event that included um, some negative where he was yep. trying to do it his own way, and that'll be right. the second question we get here. So kind of a part one, part two questions here, mm-hmm. but um, but to begin with, what are some things that we need to imitate from the life of Abraham? Anything else you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I tried to make it as, um, I tried to give as uh, clear of a picture as possible from Genesis 12 to Genesis 22, which is the story of Abraham. Mm-hmm. I kind of make it as concise as possible and and I uh, give the people the details there. And yeah. and the author says, and from your sermon last week, he says that we're supposed to be imitators mm-hmm. right, of those. And we're going to get other examples. But it's, it's fitting that they start with Abraham, obviously, because we inherit mm-hmm. the promise of Abraham. But I think, without sounding too uh, too obvious, Abraham's patience, mm-hmm. which, which I think that that's why, well, he starts with him because we inherit this promise. But also he starts with him because this man waits 25 years for the mm-hmm. promise to be fulfilled. And yeah. so from your sermon, you got these beautiful phrases like faith, 
and hope, which are these mm-hmm. glorious words, mm-hmm. and then he throws in there patience, yeah. which is such a, a boring thing to think about. <laughs> of course, we, we hate, the, at least I hate to be patient. Oh, man. I mean, just think about our culture yeah. right now. And, and let's say the re- redeemed culture, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. Christians, good, good faithful Christians. Um, we love talking about faith and hope. Yes. Ain't none of us like patience. No. No, we've I, been brought up, we've been bred on, we have been fed. You can have it, and you can have it now. Yeah, well, we're fast food society, mm-hmm. which you lose something. And it's interesting, you know, you're you're seeing this on your homestead now, mm-hmm. where you have this sowing and reaping, mm-hmm. and very dependent on the seasons. Oh, man. God is a God of seasons, and we live in this fast food culture. I mean, on the way home from service, I stopped mm-hmm. by McDonald's, of course, because I was starving. And it was just entirely too long for me to have to wait three cars, <laughs> you know. And they get two drive-throughs. Yes. yes, man, I have so much money out right now mm-hmm. in food investments. Yeah, I mean, like to the tune of like thousands. Yeah, not tens of thousands, but I, I have thousands of dollars out mm-hmm. in investments. Yeah, um, I mean, like three-ish or so, just in my cows, just in two cows. Yeah, that. I've got nothing from them. Like I've got no no return on that. Mm-hmm. And and instead I have to keep giving. Yeah. Like I have to keep serving. Yep. I have to keep and think thankfully a chap is is the one that feeds up uh heads up feeding them and and watering them. But they got to get fed and watered every single day. Yeah. And and they don't give anything back except for something cool to look at and I go out and talk to them and say, "Hey girls, what's up?" you know. Right. <laughs> you know, one of them's name's uh, lean beef and the other one's ground beef. It's good to name them food names. <laughs> Helps your kids deal with that. But then, yeah, reality. man, we've got we've got seeds that are mm-hmm. uh planted in soil, but we're not putting light on them yet cuz we we don't want them to start kind of growing just yep. quite yet and yep. those are in our cellar and mm-hmm. And uh, I, you know, had to buy chickens and 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 wait on them for six months before they start making these, yeah, you know, um, butt nuggets. Yeah, <laughs> that needs to be. <laughs> Does somebody claim that name for their eggs? Yeah, yet? there's oh, a person around Dayton that dang. sells uh, fresh butt nuggets, farm fresh butt nuggets. Man, that's the awesome <laughs> name. That person, I respect that person. But I like your idea. Call them Chaps Chicks. Chaps Chicks. I like Chaps that. Chicks. I like that a lot. But that idea, we've lost a lot. So I grew up on a farm, and so you mm-hmm. you understand that, I think, in a way that others don't. And, of course, an ancient culture would have understood that yeah. very well. And yeah. so, I, you you know, we've just planted some some seeds in our gardens, and you plant them, you don't see them, and finally you see this little tiny green thing sprouting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's not a long time until you actually get that to the table. Mm-hmm. And so we lose so much in our culture. And it's interesting if you think about the fast food society in which we live, the church has adopted that same kind of mentality. So yeah. we got 30-minute sermons, you know, we got <laughs> yes. X amount of songs, we got we got so uh, many conveniences for people that I think just make people so lazy, and they make people, uh, they're unwilling to be resilient, Yeah. right? And uh, yeah. and the bad thing about that is, is we have adults who can't sit through 30-minute sermons, and then what is that teaching our children? So they're mm-hmm. not going to be able to sit through 12-minute sermons, mm-hmm. right? And then what do you do? You just get, I guess you just get rid of sermons altogether and have worship experiences. Mm-hmm. So this, so you can't mm-hmm. downplay the patience that this man has to have as he waits for the promise. And he's also really old when God first makes his promise to him. Mm-hmm. And he's 100 years old when he finally has his physical son, Isaac. And yeah. Romans says uh, he had faith even though his body was as good as dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. He's just dead. Yes, right? yes, yes. And his, and his, not that it's just they're old, but his wife's barren. Mm-hmm. 
you know? And so there's all these obstacles, which is interesting, you know, because this is how God chooses to work. Mm-hmm. And I'm a, I'm a, um, I like to put my hands on things to understand them, right? Mm-hmm. To be able to understand it, I have to be able to see it and feel it, know how it works. And I, yeah. I have a hard time, I said in school, I had a hard time with certain math equations because I was like, how am I going to use this? <laughs> like, and, you know, so a good teacher is going to show you how to actually use it in real life. But mm. you, you know, have some teachers who are like, you just need to memorize this fact. I'm like, mm. I, I don't know how that's going to help me. Yeah, yeah. So I have to, I have to be, so okay, Lord, I'm as good as dead, and you said I'm going to have more children than the stars. Mm-hmm. I have no physical child. Yeah, and 25 years. Yeah, exactly. And, and so 25. just yeah, the, you, the patience back, of this man is remarkable. Back to the... Uh, like understanding, I, I read this quote this morning um, referring to Hebrews 7, 4. So I'm going this Sunday. Okay. Um, the ESV doesn't use this language, but the idea here is like, he's saying like, now consider mm. or ponder intensely or or behold diligently. Yeah. Um, and what made me think of that in this context here is even like, like good Christians can get impatient in like sermon understanding, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not making, giving us an excuse to be confusing, yeah. Um, but there's like this sense of like I don't want to, I want to be able to understand this, like I understand a McDonald's menu mm-hmm. when I walk out of here, yeah. Like I, I want the the sermon to be so easy that I can like recollect it and explain the whole thing back to you, yeah. Um. When I walk out of here, mm-hmm. and it's like, I, why? I, well, let me ask you this: What parable of Jesus could you read and understand it easily, right. and just walk out? Right? right. Exactly. <laughs> right. But anyway, see, in in the quote, um, he says, uh, um, "It is at this point." So this idea of like ponder intensely, mm-hmm. um, behold diligently. But when you're going to behold diligently. Diligence assumes or implies a patience, mm. a longevity and endurance, right? But he says, it is at this point so many fail. They imagine all that is required of them is to hear the Word of God expounded, and if anything appears to them hard to understand, they conclude it is not for them. Hence, they make little progress in divine things and fail to increase in the knowledge of God, Colossians 1.10. And this is not simply an infirmity, it reveals a sad state of soul. It shows a lack of interest in spiritual things. This was the state of the Hebrews. They had gone back. Mm. So that's why he's... So when he gets seven, and seven is saying, uh, consider this, he's, he's going back to the people who have, have gone dull of hearing. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a hearkening back now in seven. So he... You've gone doll of hearing, and then, but I feel better about things, right. and then here's Melchizedek, and also some of you need to work harder. Right. Is that so, Spurgeon, by the way? Um, Sounded like Spurgeon to me. I can't remember. Okay. It, it was, uh, see, who did I, I read Pink this morning, and I read Spurgeon, so it was well, one of go. those two. One of those two. You can't go wrong <laughs> with those two. It's a good point that you make about people wanting to understand the sermon right away. Most of that's because they don't want to just engage their brains <laughs> and do the hard work the hard work to understand it so we can be intellectually lazy and also allow time for our um for the holy spirit to press these things into our hearts right because yep. often what i want to do in that situation in my sinfulness is i want to understand it right away so i think i've mastered it mm. it's all i need to know and often i think um 
that's such a, a ploy of the flesh. Because for me, I'm thinking, oh, I've mastered it now, so there's nothing now that the Holy Spirit can press into my heart. But if I let it sit and yeah. steep for a little while, yeah, the Lord's going to bring something new. And this is an, this, this is another encouragement for people to go read Tolkien or C.S. Lewis, because any good bit of literature is going to, uh, as, as you ponder it later, you can be like, oh, there's mm-hmm. this facet, and there's this yeah. facet, and there's yeah. that, and that's what that represents. And it just continues to bloom. Yeah. And it continues to unfold. Yep. And, and and of all things, the scripture does that as well. Yeah. But yeah. Absolutely. Um, one comment we had written in here, you know, he has no real reason to trust that the promise is going to come to pass. Like in yeah. his at least visible reality right. there. Right. And I mean, and and in in along with that, his relationship with the Lord was young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's just been a short time since God showed up to him and said, Hey. Yeah. I want you to pack everything up. <laughs> and, and church history was young at this point. Exactly. <laughs> I Very. Mean, right. I get um, the joke. You get the joke. Okay. Yeah. Um, but he has, in, in his, and, and yet we, and I don't want to beat up on us too bad here, but we have thousands of years. Mm-hmm. We have God's holy word. Sure. We have the past work of Jesus now. Mm-hmm. Um, this is old news. It like is. God, God keeping his promise is old news to us, it and is. yet we struggle with the patience. Yeah. Which is all the more remarkable of his faith. Yeah, he he doesn't see the end of the promise. Not just and he because he senses there's something more. He looks forward to Christ, mm-hmm. and 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 he sees there's something more, even though he doesn't understand it all. But there's no flesh and blood, you know, mm-hmm. real thing to grab hold of. And I think this is where Christians. Re- I was listening to um, Ben Merkel talk about this passage, and he's saying this is where Christians live in these two different kingdoms: the kingdom of God. And then you got the kingdom that I live in, mm-hmm. right? Now, of course, now we know everything has to come under the under the lordship of Jesus, but that's a different reality, and this is this is real reality. Mm-hmm. I deal with this. It's flesh and blood. I can see it. I can grab hold of it. Like, you get the stomach bug. You have cancer. <laughs> you have, right? You, you have bills. Like, yeah, that's yeah. all real. How does that thing, that future hope thing, that sounds great, mm. but I, I think most Christians only see that future hope as something that will finally just relieve us of this reality hmm. instead of living in light of that reality now. Yeah. And that thing affects how I live now. That's that's why I gave those examples of like um when you're having a baby, right? Like you don't just wait around to start preparing for it. Mm-hmm. You have to eat healthy, you have to sleep, you get the nursery ready, you do all the things and and it's hard. It's difficult. And then all of a sudden, there the reality comes. You actually are holding it in your hands. Mm-hmm. But if you don't live in light of it now, yeah. right? Yeah, it it could potentially not come to pass. You, yeah. Your baby could die. You could do something because you've neglected. Or the analogy I gave for high school. You know, your grades and how you engage now does affect. Yeah. Um, the graduation day. So well, your your hope of graduating yes. affects how you're going to live. That affects today. how you're going to live today. Which, if if anyone wants a good book to read, I I didn't finish it, which is kind of par for the course for me, but. <laughs> I think we read uh, at an elders retreat um, four or five years ago, Future Grace by yeah. by, by John Piper, mm. <clears throat> which is how do we live, yeah. um, uh, like really the the fuel and the power of living for today yeah. is in hope and future grace. Yeah. Um, actually, you can see it right on Rusty's shelf. Right there, there you go. The bottom. So you guys can come up and borrow it off Rusty's shelf. <laughs> there you go. No, that's a great book. If I remember that book is, is probably one of the books that really changed the way I 
the way I viewed the way my faith was supposed to work. Mm, yeah. Yep, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So in what ways, so this is kind of part two of this question, in what sure. ways do you try to do God's will your own way? Yeah. So, so and the, the reason I brought that up was because Abraham, as faithful as he was, and he's this amazing picture of faith. He, it says in Romans that he didn't doubt at all. Um, and and I, it's giving a picture there of, of the overarching mm-hmm. um, span of his life and his faithfulness. But he did lapse at times. There were some detours, as it were, that he took. Now, one of them was a practical one, I think, that he thought that his, um, that his steward, Eliezer, was going to be his descendant. He's like, well, maybe he'll just take the line on for me because he's still got no kid. Mm-hmm. And God's given him this promise, and he's living in light of this, this future promise, and he begins to ponder. Maybe that's the thing that's supposed to happen, but but God, that's not what God said. Yeah, and I think that's where we go wrong, is um, is we we okay, God, you've said you're going to cause me to inherit this this eternal hope, but this is the way it's going to come to pass. It has to be the way it's going to come to pass because He's going back to this. There's no real visible thing that I can grab a hold of. I'm I'm old. I haven't seen any son yet. My wife's barren, and she's stubborn too, by mm-hmm. the way, and doesn't believe at all. So I just don't see how this is possibly going to come to place. Mm-hmm. And and the point here is is that God's will cannot be done apart from God's way. Yeah, yeah, it, it can't so, be. So like here a practical example. It's like <clears throat> so I be- I believe mm-hmm. um, that I'm going to be set free in Christ. That I'm going to experience joy mm-hmm. and the freedom of joy. Um, by uh, uh, by God's great power. Mm-hmm. Well, how does that happen? Um, well, Jesus says, "Know the truth, and the truth will set you free." Yep. Right. But how many of us actually believe that that promise is going to be fulfilled, mm-hmm. that we'll be set free by knowing the truth? If you actually believe that promise is going to be set filled, set uh, fulfilled, mm-hmm. and being experiencing the the joy of of true freedom, mm. uh, and then actually act on that by God's means. Exactly. Right? It has to be God's means. Well, but, you know, I, I think it'll happen if I just go to church. No. I mean, it's good. You should you should still come to church. Sure, of course. But but, the, but therein is, what did Abraham have to go back to? He had to go back to what God actually said. What he actually what said. What he actually said was, <laughs> no, it's not going to be somebody that works for you mm-hmm. it's going to be an actual son mm-hmm. from you and your wife mm-hmm. and yes it's going to be miraculous mm-hmm. but it's actually going to come from you and your wife mm-hmm. and, and and so there's this miraculous it's interesting here if i don't want to stretch it too far but i do think that so he's he doesn't have any like physical evidence for this it just is impossible it's is not natural it's supernatural what god's going to do and so he, he kind of tries to take things into his own hands but the means by which God is going to do this is very much everyday life. Yeah. Be patient. Know your wife, right? Love your wife. And by that, everyday means I will bring about something miraculous. Yeah. Like he didn't, he didn't, you know, Isaac didn't pop out of the sky, right? Yeah. Or show up on the doorstep. And so I think often sometimes we think, well, this, God's going to do this miraculous thing. And so we think it's going to happen. And some like angels are going to deliver this promise to our doorstep. It's yeah. just in the everyday mundane life, we cannot despise that. No. We cannot despise that, Mm-mm. right? If, if Jesus, in, in his life here on earth, 
walked in obedience in accordance to his father's will, everything he touched was for the glory of God in mundane life, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. And he learns obedience through suffering. So don't despise that. I think our culture, our, the big evangelical culture, has to ramp things up so much. And it's going to be event out of it. Bacon, make an event out of it. It's got to be this big fanfare event. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's the case. Yeah, I agree. At all. Yeah. So the way that, um, uh, not just with Eleazar, but mm-hmm. um, one of the ways that he tried to do it his own way was through Hagar. Yeah, that was the big right. bad one. Yeah. Like, he should have understood that God was going to give him an actual son. But you could see him under, you know, under difficulties thinking, well, maybe, maybe Eliezer is going to be the guy. But the Hagar thing, that's the big problem. So they're trying to fulfill this promise. Yeah. And and Sarah has this horrible idea that she's going to give her, her slave, Hagar, mm-hmm. to Abraham. Now, his problem is it's the same thing that happens with Adam and Eve. Because what should have happened? Because Adam's, or, or excuse me, um, um, Abraham's already failed mm-hmm. to the, for his wife to get to that point. What he should have been doing is continuing to remind her that God was going to fulfill the promise in his way. Yeah. And what does he do to do what should he have done to do that? Go back to what God said. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So as husbands, nope. we need to go back and say for our wives, practical application here, like this is what God has said. Yeah. And this is how God says it's going to happen. So when our wives are tempted to be like Sarah or like mm-hmm. our first mother Eve and say, Here's this. We say, no, 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 we get that garbage out of here. I'm yeah. not going to accept that poison fruit, that forbidden fruit. Now also let me go and kill the lie that caused you to get here. Yeah. Right. Which, if you look close enough, the lie probably started somewhere with you not doing your job. Yeah. Right. So as, Abraham, as husband leading yeah, so Abraham's yeah. in there in the tent just chilling, yeah. right? And, and so, yeah, there's a lot I could say about him. <laughs> he's believing. Well, maybe. He's belie- that's another episode. But he's believing God, but he's... He's got to tie that to his family. He's got to tie that to everything around him. And I think in this moment, that future reality and promise gets disconnected, mm. right? And it comes to kind of this abstract thing that that he just, you know, thinks is he's not applying it to everyday life. He's not leading his wife to say, "Hey, look, by the way, you got a massive part in this, mm-hmm. right? Like it's gonna take you're the one that's yeah. gonna get pregnant with, yeah, with Isaac." So. Yeah, another example is like maybe you uh, I've seen it practical for us, and, yeah, and sure. maybe you choose the easier path. Yeah, um, that's an easy path. Husband. Yeah, um, you know, for Sarah, this was the easier path. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Sarai, right? Yeah, Sarah. Um, at the time she she choose the easier path. I can just sleep with her. Yeah. Um, or maybe you choose the harder path because you got to prove yourself. That's true. Like Good I'm point. just gonna perfect the the heck out, out of this, this thing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Use the beat button. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, this, yeah, that happens often. Sometimes God hasn't called you to suffer in that way. Mm-hmm. That's just you trying to heap a little glory on your own head. People can really get into this martyr syndrome. Yeah. Right? I'm the only one that's persevering here in this situation. And they sometimes they create situations so they can be the martyr. They'll yeah. fabricate situations to yeah. be the martyr like that. Yeah. So it's on either side. Again, the point is you cannot do God's will apart from God's way. Yeah, yeah. When I got up to do the communion devotional, I I almost went that route. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was, and I feel like it was uh, a main thrust in yeah. your um in that passage yeah. and in your sermon. Um, but it was definitely a point where I was like, man, how much do we want it apart from yeah. God's way? Well, that's like I said. I could have preached a whole sermon on yeah. on just that part of Abraham. 
Yeah. But you know, I think a good test question um, for you mm-hmm. to discern, am I trying to do it God's way, is what happens if someone challenges you mm. in the way you've chosen? Yeah, that's good. Like what, what, what's your response? Mm-hmm. Um, because if, they're, if it is God's way, and you believe it's God's way, and you can defend it from God's word, mm-hmm. okay, which is key. Uh, then you're gonna you're gonna be like, oh well, this is in God's hands, and I'm cool with you challenging it. And let's go to the Bible, and I'll show you exactly right. And, and you're cool with that. And then if they can show you uh, where you're interpreting the Bible wrong, then you can let that go, mm-hmm. and you can change. Yeah. yeah. But if if it's not God's way, and it's just your way, or a way you fabricated that you think is God's way, yeah. Um, or you've misinterpreted scriptures to make you feel um, uh, legit in your yep. way, mm-hmm. um, then what's happening is the thing that the idol or the whatever you fasten, fashioned and put in your hands is being attacked. Yeah. Um, you probably are finding your identity in it. You're, you're probably going to take it personal. You're probably going to get up in arms about it. You're yep. probably going to get emotional about it. Yep. You might get anxious about it. Like yep. you're... You know, uh, so I would say a good test question if, is how would you respond if someone was to say, yeah, I think you're stupid. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a dumb way. I don't think that's God's way. Yeah, exactly. That's good. How would you respond? Yeah, because the, the end doesn't justify the means. Right? Yeah, like, absolutely. Oh, it's going to end this way. God's promised yep. this. It doesn't really matter how I get there. No, yeah. not at all. Um, I think that, or just not to belabor the point, but we have to... Again, emphasize the need for patient endurance because life is hard and difficult. And I think the reason that so many of us, though, especially in the Christian realm, push back against this patience, mm-hmm. like like this kind of patience, given the example of here, 25 years of long waiting without yeah. really seeing the other side, it's because I gave the analogy in the sermon of that we're basically um, spiritual surfers, mm-hmm. right? So especially in American evangelicalism, it's basically just big wave riders. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever watched surfing, um, they sit there and bob up and down waiting, not just for any wave, um, they just <laughs> wait for the, the, the right wave to really carry yep. them you know, home. And so I gave the example of that's, that's really what we do often, and that's why we, we neglect um, patient, faith with patience because we're looking for an emotional high to continue to, mm-hmm. to carry us through, which we just come addicts, gotta get our next God hit. Mm-hmm. And I gave the example then on the other extreme of there's, there's some examples of holding fast, which remind us of sailors holding fast to the rigging, holding fast. I gave some examples of that in some previous sermons. And then he gives the analogy of the anchor here later on in our text. So be, that, that's more the analogy that we're going for. This We're setting out to sea. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to Brent about this. Um, because I gave the example of being in San Diego, standing on the beach, looking at these big Navy ships going out, these big Navy warships heading out to sea, and you would stand there and watch them, and they looked like they were moving slow, but they actually moving pretty fast. And they would get way out, and if you stayed around for at least 30 minutes or so, they'd just become this dot on the horizon. Mm-hmm. And in the foreground, though, you have all these guys bobbing up and down the water, riding the waves. And Brim pointed out uh, that can, can reminds us of Rusty sermon where he talks about you should have been teachers by now. You should be eating meat instead of milk. Mm-hmm. And Brent said you could say you're supposed to be a dot on the horizon mm-hmm. by now. Some of you should be a dot on the horizon. Some of you should be a dot on the horizon, but a lot of you are just hitting the same wave. And where's that wave taking you? 
right back to the shore <laughs> where you came from. But man, you looked awesome. You look so, you look, you look so you sexy. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you look so sexy. Going up and, you know, bobbing up and down, waiting for the next wave. And how often do we do that, man? You know, and I gave the example of, you know, the kind of the big Eva smoke, you know, fog machines and highs. That's that's not what our church struggles with. You know, our mm-hmm. church knows that's stupid. But I think, um, but I do think that sometimes we can come to a service on Sunday morning and and we look for us, our favorite song, or we want to feel really good about Jesus. Mm-hmm. After or we, we want to find that one point from the sermon, yeah, that is going to like rock my world. Exactly. Or I think another because I have to have an experience. Yeah. Or an, um, I've got to have that 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 wave to ride yep. to get me through till next Sunday. Yeah. Um, or we do the same thing. I think ju- even good, faithful, um, in their Bible everyday people mm-hmm. can struggle with this too. And Russ brought this up a number of weeks ago, where, uh, like, do you go to the Bible for an emotional fulfillment? Right. You know, am I going there just to just to feel something? Right. And is that what's setting the agenda? Right. And that so people can approach their personal time in the Word that way. That I have to, I have to have this feeling. If I don't mm-hmm. walk, so, so people get discouraged when they're like, "I'm just, it's just dried up." Yeah. Well, it's probably dried up because you're actually not living it out, right? mm-hmm. and if you don't live it out, then you lose your ability to actually hear truth. Yeah. Right. Well, well and two, if you are going to it for an emotional high, mm-hmm. then the same thing that happens with someone addicted to drugs mm-hmm. is you gotta have a greater experience yep. the next time. Yes. And then things get and, really weird. And then they got they get really weird. Or they just dry up and it's non-existent. Mm-hmm. Good. And, but the the thing is, it's this little, the 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 blessedness of the affectional side, the mm-hmm. affection side, is is a byproduct of the knowing side. Yes. And so, if the so what happens then is when you neglect the knowing, <clears throat> then the fuel for the affections mm-hmm. runs out. Yep. You know. We run a, uh, a fireplace like most evenings, as long as the temperature is, you know, not not uh, a warm 70 degrees in February in Ohio. <laughs> and then it's snowing the next and day. And then snowing the next day. Uh, and man, if I don't put another log on that fire, it's, yep. it's going to run out. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think we've uh, been falsely accused before of saying that emotions are bad. No, emotions are <laughs> what? Emotions are wonderful under the authority of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Under the authority of the Holy Spirit, which, which is the Holy Spirit is always exalting the person and work of Jesus and always pointing to the truth of the scriptures, mm-hmm. right? So, so I don't listen to how I feel and then gauge how I should act. Mm-hmm. I say, what has God said? What has he said? What has he said? And how has he said it's supposed to go down? Yeah. And I'm going to commit myself to that regardless of how I feel, regardless of how I feel. And that sometimes, again, like I said about Abraham, that's just the everyday mundane things of life. That looks mm-hmm. like getting up early in the morning to be in the Word of God, and if I don't happen to have a little good feeling about it, then I know that God's Word doesn't return void. That's right. And it's building in me, mm-hmm. working in me, all of the little discipline that I give my kids. That's why the Scripture says don't grow weary in doing mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. You're going to reap yeah. when you've planted the seed, when you've nurtured the cow, whatever it is, you fed the chickens, you're going to reap that, right? Mm-hmm. The the, the, the Reality here too is, whatever you sow, you will reap. Yeah. Right. So if you're just continuing to 
just so looking emotion for emotionalism, you're just gonna reap a, a whole giant mess. Oh man! Right, and your yeah. life is gonna be chaos. Yeah. Right. Right. So faith, you as you brought out in your sermon, faith is a covenant. Mm-hmm. Faith so is, it's is, a commitment is to a trust. Commitment to trust, regardless. Preach, preach <laughs> you need a button for that. I do. Yeah. Regardless, regardless of how you feel. I, I didn't put this in my sermon, but Brent and I were talking about this recently too. Uh, she actually shared this quote with me from Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer says about marriage, um, it's not your love that sustains the marriage, but from now on the marriage that sustains your love. He's talking about you, you, you fall in. Yeah, your covenant. Yeah, you fall in love with somebody, quote unquote, right? Um, you have an attraction to somebody and, and you you think you love them. So you come to marriage and that love is, is kind of brought you to that place of covenant now the covenant is the thing that ensures your love. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how I feel about my wife. I made a covenant to her. But what do you hear people in the culture say? Well, we fell out of love. <laughs> or we're just not compatible. <laughs> That's right. Why well, I say the culture, let's just try the church. Mm-hmm. Right? The reason that we're all into this crazy mess, by the way, this is another podcast. <laughs> the reason we got women preachers and LBGTQ affirming preachers wearing rainbow scarves around their neck and <laughs> preaching absolute damnable heresy is because we haven't been strong on things like divorce or things like mm-hmm. commitment to your marriage. Yeah. Right? And faithfulness in the everyday... Commitment to your gender. Yeah, commitment to your gender, <laughs> right? Whether you feel like you're in the right body or not, God says this is the right body for you because he gave That's it right. to you at birth. He did. Right? And so I... And you can patiently wait on and him. And you can patiently wait on that, and, it, and, and you can also, and you also should, grow in rejoicing in that. Because God makes no mistakes. That's right. Right? So, yeah, that one was free. I really like that at the end of this quote. It's been said before, the most important day of your marriage is the last one. Yeah. And, and that's really what Hebrews has been saying. Yep. Like, yep. We'll, we'll be sure of our redemption yeah. at the end of our perseverance. Yes. Let's go on a t-shirt. It should. We'll be sure of our redemption at the end of our perseverance. Yeah, exactly. And so, so I, can, I can feel all sorts of ways, but as I grow... As I as I and as I change by God's grace, becoming more like Jesus, mm-hmm. my commitment to my marriage grows. Even though, I mean, that's and that's the beauty of that analogy is is that life goes on, life becomes richer in your marriage and so on and so forth in in more ways. But it doesn't come any easier, mm-hmm. right? There's more challenges as you as your body ages. That's why physical <laughs> attraction, right, is um is so fickle. Mm. Right, it's a part of it, but it's so fickle. And and what keeps us committed to each other when hair starts growing out of places it shouldn't, <laughs> and you know yeah. things start yeah. sagging, it's our commitment that we made oh, to love man. each other in sickness and in health well, till death do mm-hmm. us part. Man, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm aging like a fine wine over here, or like a fine whiskey, <laughs> a wine that you get from Walmart. <laughs> Gas, ah. gas station Captain Jacks. Ah. <laughs> those little, those little uh, plastic bourbon shooters. <laughs> anyway, I love you, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I think it's also. Hey, hang on, I gotta go trim my nose hair. <laughs> Here, here's my pocket knife. <laughs> no, cut my you can nose keep off. It. You can keep it after you use it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then I have way. it. No, I don't, I'm not gonna give it to you. I like it. Um, I think it's important to mention as well. I did say something about this in the sermon. So. We can ride emotional highs, so give some examples of that. But we can also look to other things to ensure a feeling mm-hmm. of security. And I gave an example for myself. 
as a control person of when my schedule and my rhythm gets off. So I like to get up and I like to have time in the word, all all good things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when that gets interrupted, right? And as you all know, I think Matt actually prayed this down upon me. Our family got the stomach bug. <laughs> you know? And so the rhythm was just screwed. And and my you know, my my time in the word was was there at times, but it was all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. And so I can look to a system and a rhythm and how I have things in order to to get a certain time under my belt so I can look back and say, okay, I feel, because I've done X, Y, Z, secure. I did it. I did it. Mm-hmm. Right? I conquered it. Right? And all those things are very good, just like emotions can be good. right? Mm-hmm. But God's will has to be done God's way. I can't look to those things to be the anchor of my soul. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I was thinking of another example that would be like the opinions of others. Um, especially the opinions of others who don't actually know God yeah, or don't know God's words. Yeah, that's good. Um, uh, or the whims of our children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be the next emotional high, like the surfer just sitting out there instead of mm-hmm. instead of saying, hey, look, family, this is where we're headed. Yeah. Like particularly as a man, as, as the leader of your household, like to stake out the mission. Yeah. And say this is this is the land we're taking. This is the this is the acre that we're going to take over this next year. Yeah. And then and then to say, you know, for the next three weeks, that here's how we're going to take that acre, and here's for the next couple of months, here's how we're going to take that acre. Yeah, not 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 to be foolish and think that you're not gonna to use the analogy of casting out to sea. You're gonna hit some rough seas, mm-hmm. or scary things in the ocean. Yeah. Right, and you're gonna have to do your job, and you're gonna have to do really boring stuff like swab the deck. Mm-hmm. And I think the example you gave that often, as as men, as fathers, try to lead their families and the discipline of their children, so it gets real hard. It seems at first, right? Mm-hmm. Well, because you're probably having to correct some things that you did wrong. You, you planted yeah. some bad stuff, and it takes some time to unlearn that and correct that in the right way. So you're going to be given lots of spankings. You're going to be doing lots of correction. Mm-hmm. There's going to be lots of fits, and you got to be faithful and stick to it. But don't be foolish to think that as you begin to to walk in God's statutes and, and cast out to see that there's not going to be difficulties there. Well, what you got to do in that moment is you got to have faith that what God has said yes. you need to do is trustworthy, that yes. He's trustworthy. It's true, it will and work. And then you have to have hope mm-hmm. that, which you can't have hope without faith, right. that uh, His word will not return void. Mm-hmm. And then you got to have patience. Yeah, patience, man. And it's hard. I mean, and, so. And scrubbing the deck is sometimes patience. Yeah, so I'll give you a personal uh, example on this and, and thank you and Sarah. Because there was a time I, I, several months ago when we were having just the hardest time with one of our kids mm. in discipline. And yeah. I, I remember we were having dinner one night and I was like, we are so tired of disciplining him. Like mm-hmm. He's wearing us down. I'm so tired of spanking this mm-hmm. kid. Yeah. And he is stubborn, and he is arrogant, and and it was it was wearing on me the uh, just the the amount of discipline that we had to do. And you encouraged you and Sarah both encouraged us just to, and and it wasn't any rocket science or anything. You just said, I just want to encourage you to be faithful mm-hmm. and to keep spanking. Yeah, and you will see what God will do because you walk through the same thing. And it took another good two three weeks, mm-hmm. but we started to see, yeah, we started to see good fruit from that. Yeah, well, God, God said it exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just, it just patience. Yeah, so it just Be meant faithful. it just meant walking, 
walking up those steps to the bathroom. All right, go upstairs. You're gonna be disciplined and having to, but having to lay hold on that promise. Well, and that that so when in you, that moment, when you talk about the, the obedience of the faith, like walking in faith-driven obedience. Yeah, that's a great example. Yeah. So I, by faith, believe this is according to His Word the right thing to do. Yes. And that it won't return void, even though I don't see any results mm-hmm. right now. I'm going to still do it. Yep. That's faith. That's faith. And that that is faith-driven obedience yeah. versus this legalistic garbage. Yeah. Like and that that is that is work that's accompanied by promises, mm-hmm. which is a, a distinction from legalism. Yes. Exactly. Right? And the encouragement that you have in this is where the author goes then. And ultimately he's talking about laying hold on the hope that is set before you because he's already given the warnings about drifting into apostasy mm-hmm. and so on. So he's saying Here's here's what I have uh, as an assurance for you, and and to back up a little bit and say you had already walked through some of this, and I referenced it uh, in the sermon yesterday that some of the evidences um, that you do belong to Christ and that the promise is yours is your good work, your faithfulness, patient endurance, pushing back against laziness, you're pushing pushing back against sluggishness, you're striving. Those are all wonderful evidences. And I, I said this yesterday, and I'll say it again, I mean it. I see a lot of people at Christ the Lord persevering, oh, yeah. bearing good fruit. Like, like the majority of our church is pressing hard after Christ and, and growing up in the faith, growing up like Christ. And I'm super encouraged. I echo, yeah. the, I echo the author of mm-hmm. Hebrews like, I have better things in mind for you. Yeah, like yeah. Those are wonderful evidences. And so we, we see that as we walk in patience. But the the greater encouraging thing that the author is bringing out here is that we can know that this is true because God said it. And since God has said it, we can bank on it. A promise, that's where the sermon title came from. A promise is a promise. Mm-hmm. And he says here he's, he's promised with a double oath, basically, mm-hmm. to yeah. hold us fast. So he mm-hmm. gives us his promise, which, I, I, which is funny because I unpacked it a little bit. It's like, you understand that when God speaks, it's, tr- it's truth. Like, it's the essence of truth. Mm-hmm. He he says, let there be light, and it hap- it's, it's also action. Yeah, yeah. Let there's it, there's let no it. wavering. There's no, no There's no doubt. There's no maybe. There's no right. what if. There's no alternative. Right. Uh, there's no hidden yeah. like, thing going on here. Yeah. There's no double speak. No. In, in the um, Chronicles of Narnia, the horse and his boy, um, the Tashban uh, people, they, they say um, to, to hear is to obey. That's how they answer their their superiors, when their superiors mm-hmm. give them an order, they said, to hear to, is to obey. Mm. Um, and in the same sense, when God speaks, things obey, mm-hmm. right? Creation obeys. There's no option. There's no option. So let there be light, it happens. Jesus says to Lazarus' dead body, come forth, and it comes forth. Mm-hmm. So we have that, and if that was not enough, so God speaks this promise to Abraham, and if that's not enough, then he gives them this oath, yeah. which God had never done before. And he gives him this solemn oath, not that God had to do this, but he does this in order to condescend, as it were, to us, yeah. to help us understand mm-hmm. and have this strong encouragement that God has given this oath, and, then it, and he says what he has sworn on is himself. Mm-hmm. And I said this yesterday, I got to say it again, because Russ I was talking to Russ about this, and he was like, yeah, it's like God looked around and said, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the greatest of them all? Oh, that's me. <laughs> that's me. I will swear on myself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I will swear on myself. And so he does. And what he's saying there is that the, the God who, we have the promise of the God who cannot lie, because mm-hmm. his word is truth, 
And then he swore an oath. And people in ancient times especially would swear an oath by their life saying, if I don't keep my end of the bargain, may my life be forfeit. So God is saying, now you also have the solemn oath of the God who cannot die. Mm-hmm. I can't lie and I can't die. And I've promised doubly yeah. that you will lay hold on this hope before you. So that should give you, the author says, this. Why does he do it? To give us strong encouragement. Yeah. To yeah. press on to this hope that, like, actually believe it now, live in light of reality now, and know that one day you will actually put hands on it. You, it, will be, it will be tangible to you, right? Even though you don't see it now, it will become true, and it will, will, will be tangible for you. And I was just, man, I, I could have camped out in that whole God made a promise, the double promise. I could have camped out in that for, like, three sermons. <laughs> but again, the point of the author, I think, is kind of like... And I quoted the hymn, what more can he say than to mm-hmm. you he has said? Mm-hmm. What else can you say? Yeah. Like, like this is beautiful that God has said, uh, I mean, it reminded me of the, uh, the song, he will, he will Hold Me Fast. Yeah. He will hold me fast. Mm-hmm. He will hold me fast. And he gives the example of the anchor um, that Christ is, we have this sure and steady hope that enters behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. I thought you did a good, really good job of kind of taking, you know, I was kind of flying a little bit higher there on some of that, and you gave a really good summary of that in sermon, mm-hmm. or the uh, second sermon, communion <laughs> devotion, <laughs> that Christ goes behind the veil, and the earthly priest had to go there all the time, back and forth, back mm-hmm. and forth, because the sacrifice of bulls and goats, the blood of bulls and goats, doesn't suffice. It can't ever mm-hmm. take away sin. So it has to be offered over and over again, so Christ goes and he offers his perfect sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And also that it says he's become a priest forever. Yeah, he gets to stay. Because he gets to stay because of his, because of his, perfect, right, his perfect righteousness, mm-hmm. right? Because he's in the uh, Melchizedek. Exactly. Which, yeah. <laughs> was, there was yeah. a point there I was like, I gave Matt all those verses, but I really kind of want to jump into that as well. <laughs> exactly. He, he doesn't come from the other line, right? Yeah. He comes from a different one. And so, and he, he lasts forever. And so he has gone uh, as well, the scripture says that, he has gone as a forerunner for us. And so where the forerunner goes, and we've already heard this forerunner language, we're supposed to run after the forerunner. So those who are in Christ, where he has gone, he says, come, mm-hmm. we can go there too. Yeah. Right? And that's the hope that we can, we can look forward to. So, and you already kind of started to unpack this a little bit, so I just rode that wave, a good wave, yeah. um, that, that hope is not in the promise itself. Yeah. It's in God, mm-hmm. and that's the that's the, what we begin to understand. That's what Abraham understood. What well, it, it's not in the promise, but is in the reason he had faith because he had faith in the one who made the promise. Yeah, he had faith in the one who swore on himself. Mm-hmm. Right. So, as I see the patient endurance, trying to discipline my kids, lead my wife, pastor my church through all the difficulties and all the trials and tribulations, I know that God's promise is true, but my hope and guarantee isn't in the promise itself. Yeah. It's the, the one who made it. Yeah. You know, I think the, the picture, just reaching ahead to Sunday just a little bit, one of the things that clues us into Abraham trusting not in the promise but in the person mm-hmm. is that Melchizedek is... Uh, is said to be the um, king. Uh, his name means both righteous mm-hmm. 
and peace. Yeah. Righteousness is pe- and peace. And the author of Hebrews goes to great lengths to say the righteousness comes first. Yep. Uh, and then peace. So, and, and the righteousness is from his name. Mm. The peace is from his office. Yeah. And what we have there is the gospel. Mm-hmm. Because in order for Jesus to give us peace with God, he has to first give us his righteousness. Mm-hmm. And so when Abraham interacts with Melchizedek and is offering up a tenth of everything he has to Melchizedek, mm-hmm. and Melchizedek blesses him, and that's where you get this like superior language, yeah. and he who blesses is superior, and the one who gives ta- offerings to, right. the one being given offerings is superior to the other one, and getting into chapter 7, um, is, is Abraham recognizing the person mm-hmm. of that that is that is Christ represented in Melchizedek although Abraham would not have known the name Christ he understood the the office there he understood the 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 interaction with God that was happening there that he was being uh given this righteousness first mm-hmm. that then would result in peace um with God and so that comes from a person yeah uh, and for Abraham, it was it was this in this picture of Melchizedek, who was a type of Christ. Yeah, and that goes back to our at the end of uh, chapter four, we can enter boldly into the throne room of grace, not not just because we have peace now through Christ, but we've been given the righteousness of Christ. Mm-hmm. That's why I can stand in the in the full presence of God's glory, not be consumed, because mm-hmm. I now have the righteousness of Christ. Give me the righteousness, and and now. There is peace exactly when I interact with God. Yeah. So this is why the author says that Christ, the person of Christ, he is the certainty of our hope. Mm-hmm. And in First Peter, the language is he is the we have this living hope. He has he has caused us to be born again mm-hmm. to a living hope. That is Christ. And he is the one that we will lay hold on one day. That's right. And that's the anchor. That's that's then he gives the analogy of the anchor and he's saying, Look, this anchor um is attached as it were, to the to the Christian's soul, yeah. And instead of going down in the bedrock, it goes up, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. it's attached to the throne of God because that's where Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, mm-hmm. ever interceding for us. And and um, I don't know. If, I think I gave her. Um, I think I quoted her yesterday. But Brent and I were talking about this, and she gave me that example of Simon from Luke, where he says, "Satan has desired to have you. Oh yeah, to sift yeah, you yeah, like yeah, we. Gave that, yes. But I have prayed for you." Right, mm-hmm. and and that's what Christ does for us now. He prays for us that our faith will not fail, right? Yeah. And that He is, but He is the certainty of that, um, and He is the strong and sturdy anchor that holds us fast. And I wanted to be hopefully this is where I asked like Russ, hopefully that in there was clear. I wanted to make sure that people understood that it's um, that what Christ bought for us was not just heaven, mm-hmm. but the means to get there. Yeah. Hopefully that was clear. Yeah, I think so. And concise. I heard you say amen a couple of times. Yeah. So I was like, I guess that makes sense, at least to Matt. <laughs> you know, but I'm the one who went to seminary. <laughs> I said, I wasn't in any notes, but I said that because I'm like, but then, come on, folks, you all have a Bible. Oh, you can man. read it too. I know, right? right? Yeah, but that's the beauty of that. Is So what Christ bought for us when he died was not... Um, the freedom from having to hold fast. Because I think there could be some... Conf- when you look at that, you're like, okay, wait a minute. So last couple of weeks ago, I heard I could fall away, 
right? <laughs> and I freaked everybody out. And and now you're telling me I'm Good. held fast. Good. Right, exactly. So so which is it, right? So what am I supposed to what am I supposed to believe? And the point that you're supposed to believe is that Christ will hold you fast. He is the he is uh, when he died, he did not just give you freedom from having to hold fast, but he gave you the enabling power to hold fast. That's yeah. what he bought for you as well. Yeah. Um it's it's not the nullification of our wills as though now we don't have to hold fast, but it empowers our will now. Because if we are in Christ, we want to hold fast, mm-hmm. and he gives us the ability to do it. Yeah, and I think that practically looks like, and this is going back to something I said a couple weeks ago, is in that moment of doubt, mm-hmm. and you said this again yesterday, actually, um, you tell that lie to go to hell. Yeah. And you say... And then you turn your eyes, you turn yes. the the heart, the eyes of your soul and your mind mm-hmm. to what is right. Yeah. God didn't say through Hagar. Mm-hmm. God said, said through my wife. Yep. And that's where I'm going to stake my life. And I think because we're so accustomed to everything being given to us right now, mm-hmm. I want it all and I want it now, <laughs> uh, is... I want it all! That's right. Is that we... We we do that. Some of us might do that. That's not that's not true. That's a lie. And then I want to believe the truth. And then when like two minutes later, when we're back in the lie, mm-hmm. we're caught off guard. Like you should, and, and I'm saying you shouldn't be caught off guard. Right. You should expect that it's going to be hard work. Mm-hmm. You might have to do that every two minutes for the next five months. Exactly. And I know to some of you that sounds like like crazy, but that. And it, and it sounds rough. Well, it is. Yeah. It is. And so are the sailors sailing out to the sea. It's thinking the same thing. That's rough. Yeah, it's, it's rough. rough. And you got to work constantly. But that that's scrubbing the deck. Yep, scrubbing the deck. And you got to pay heed to your post because if you just let the ship go, it's going to drift. Yeah. Right? Well, and then as your mind drifts more into the gutter, mm-hmm. uh, then so you pull other people with you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And this is, I mean, this is really important. I mean, I mean, for all of us, but, uh, but especially for you men as you lead your households. Like, yeah. You've you've got to to get out there and scrub the deck, yeah. And you got to do it a lot, yeah. Because um, if not, the doubt, the and and all that is is going to well up inside you. And then when it wells up inside your wife, and she comes to you and says, mm-hmm. "Well, honey, maybe maybe through my slave Hagar, right?" And you go, "Well, maybe you're right." Yeah, it's because you haven't been out scrubbing the deck. Exactly. That and that's a good analogy, man, because. God has, through Christ, given us now, and we've said this all through Hebrews, and he didn't just, he didn't just pay for the penalty of your sin, he broke the power of sin. So mm-hmm. now you can actually walk in resurrection life. Yeah, that, that taking your mind out of this and put it over here, you can do. You can do that. I and, mean, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus. Right, so practically what that means as a, as, a, as a husband and as a father, as you're pushing out and, and charting the course for your family, that means that God has given you the power to do what Adam should have done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? He That's should scary. have looked yeah. at his wife and said, no, <laughs> yeah, drop that fruit. And then he should have gone and stomped on the mm-hmm. snake and killed it. Mm-hmm. And then he should have went back to his wife and said, and figured out yes. why in the world they got to that place. Exactly. And one of those things would have been for her to just look around and see all the other things that God had given them. Right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So God has given us that. And, yes. and that is ours in Christ. And so I um, I ended um, the sermon on just some, I was just 
thinking about things that were super practical to help me lay hold on the hope set before me. Um, and so I don't know if you had anything to add to that. I just gave a few things. And the first thing, I know this just, just sounds so basic, and I say this often, but like, read your Bible. Preach, preach up. Read, read your Bible. <laughs> right, right. And I know that there's some things to say about how to read the Bible and, and so on and uh-huh. so forth. But, but man, you have the Word of God. And I said this yesterday. I just am baffled, Matt, by how many times I sit down, whether it's in a home group or in counseling, and I, a question I ask, and I don't care how, what, I don't care who is coming to me, and I don't care what they're coming for. It could be something really big and crazy. Mm-hmm. Read something real simple. Marriage problems, abuse, you know, in the past, whatever. And I just ask right off the bat, what's your Bible intake like? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about yeah. let's talk about that. Man. And I'm just baffled at how many people look and say, like next to none? Mm-hmm. Like nothing. You know? And, and it just makes me think of that uh kid song I sung growing up in church. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. <laughs> Don't read your Bible or pray every day and you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. Mm-hmm. You will shrivel up and die. You will shrivel up and die. Yes. As you neglect it. Because how do I know? How, how, do I, how do I know how to walk out the way God has told me to fulfill, that, that the promise is going to be fulfilled? Yeah. By, by reading it in his word. Yeah. And in and, that, and, and, I was going to say, and in that moment when you have to tell thoughts to go to hell, you got to be able to replace the lie that you're mm-hmm. believing with the truth. The truth. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to say that's a lie, and then first of all, you got to be able yeah. to recognize that it's a lie, and then you got to be able to say that's a lie. Go to hell, and I'm going to put in its place the truth. Yeah, yeah. Right. I was talking, Sarah and I were talking to someone the other day, and and like one of the things we picked up on was there was like a little bit of a spidey sense in the person mm-hmm. of something that was not right or not error, like when they would go and be in a situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we noticed coming out of the conversation was that there was no grounding or recognition of what actually is right mm. and and from a deep conviction. So I think what they had was, I think, may, maybe the Holy Spirit or maybe just some traditionalism or something, but something that, that would lead them to, to recognize, well, that just doesn't seem right. It doesn't feel right. Right. Um, I don't think the way these people are doing this is godly or the right way to do it. But there was no, like, solid, firm ground of, well, and this is the right thing to right. believe. we got to be able to say chapter and verse. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is where it says it in God's Word. Yeah, this is, this is the principle. Right, and then you can say, when the, when, the, when the temptation comes, you say, no, 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 I have God's promise for it. And then when the doubts come, you say, no, no, I have the oath of the one who cannot die. And I based it on him, on himself, because his yeah. word is truth, yeah. right? And God has told me everything I need to know that pertains to life and godliness in his word. It is, it is mm-hmm. authoritative and fully sufficient. All the I've craziness that we're experiencing in our world right now, it all goes back to being a Bible problem. Oh, yeah. If you well, just, did God really say? Exactly. Yeah. It all goes back no. to a Bible problem, whether, whatever it, whether it's transgenderism or lady pastors or, or how we're dealing with our kids now, whatever craziness is out there in the world. Mm-hmm. As it's been said before, it's Christ or chaos. And the reason it's chaos is because people don't read their Bibles and they don't do their Bibles. It's a Bible yeah. problem. So if you believe the Bible and, and you live out the scriptures, 
then we, you won't be in this mess. That's right. right? That's right. Well, then, because what happens? The, the promises compound. I mean, they're all they're all interconnected. Yeah. And so, the more you know of what God has said, yeah, and the more you know of His character behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Because our hope is in Him and yeah. not the promises themselves, um, but in Him and the person of Christ and the mm-hmm. Spirit at work in us, uh, then you see that the whole thing is a package yeah. and and cannot. Uh, fail. It's kind of like the estate um, and the grounds around the beautiful house in the middle, like yeah. we've talked about in um, uh, theological maximalism. Well, it's the same concept here. Like the more you know of that, the the richer and the the uh, the more full and robust yeah. uh, your assurance becomes. Mm-hmm. Um, you give some other examples. I'll just read through them here. You know, pray earnestly that God would open your mind and heart. To this greatness and the certainty, and incline you to hope in Him. Yeah. Read theologically rich and spiritually challenging, challenging literature. Um, read authors. I'd encourage you um, uh, to, you know, if you discover a new author, uh, to uh, or, or if you just, well, if you discover a new author, a you should check that out with your elders. You should. Um, and B, if you're reading anyone that you, you your elders haven't recommended, then you should go check them out with your elders. Yeah, I agree. Because there is um, a lot of garbage. <laughs> There's so much garbage out there, man. I mean, I mean, ninety eight percent of it is. So the yeah. chances are, if we've yeah. not mentioned the name. There's a chances are it's probably garbage. Yeah, just as a general rule, you, y'all need to be reading what your elders are reading. Yeah. Right. Yeah, man. If you find out, which which is cool, because a lot of that's happened. Yeah. No, know? I agree. We've yeah. seen a lot of that, but yeah, if if you hear of your elders are reading this book or reading this author, you should jump on board. Right. And I, I especially as it pertains to theologically rich and spiritually challenging literature, for sure. Also, I I, I love to read. I love literature. I love good literature. And I would love to give you some good things that would help stretch your imagination. Yeah. You know, I, I get made fun of at times for talking about Narnia and Lord of the Rings a lot. No, but man, like, keep doing it. But I'm going to keep doing it. Right. And and a lot of other authors that are out there, stuff that's going to help your kids' mm-hmm. brains just explode with imagination and wonder. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and want to be growing up and being <laughs> dragon slayers like Peter. Yeah, right? man. Which, you know, Charlotte, Charlotte Mason, mm-hmm. you know, our kids are educated in that vein of, of educational philosophy. Uh, she calls what most literature is mm-hmm. that we feed our kids. She calls it twaddle. Yeah, no, it's I twaddle. I, I agree. Like your your little Disney cartoon books. Yeah. are twaddle. Yeah, you read and, and good her, stuff and her to point your is kids. You should throw it in the trash. Yeah, yeah, read good stuff read to your kids. Stuff. You know, um, I mean, how else are they going to be able to fathom true. this incredible God? Yeah, if their if their mind is just fed shallow garbage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and I, we, again, we could talk about this a long time. That goes back to the fast food society. Oh, I was yeah. talking to um, some folks last night about this, that you can read now on certain websites. You read an article. At the top, this is not new. At the top, it says, you know, 15-minute read, mm-hmm. which is oh, crazy. Yeah. Nobody can read 15 minutes. Five-minute read. Now, there's some websites, as you scroll down, it gives you markers for how much time is left. Three minutes left. Wow. Two minutes left. And people just don't read it and all now. And some have what the, the bottom line up front. Exactly. Yeah, bluff yeah. or whatever just, it's called. Just get to you know what the idea is, so you can just fake your way through, knowing mm-hmm. what this is about. Yeah, yeah. Read so, rich stuff. Uh, the next one was surround yourself with faithful sailors. Mm-hmm. Um, consider Jesus, who is faithful, and boast in your hope, and rejoice. Yeah. Um, I remember back when we were going through uh, some of our challenges a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and I remember one. I remember like it was yesterday. We were standing in the comments, and you just 
don't know if he just had an epiphany or what had happened. I think maybe it was after service on Sunday. I can't remember exactly the timing, but you just said, um, we got to worship our way through this. Yeah. We got to, and you know, and to use your word from yesterday, we got to rejoice yeah. uh, through this. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm reading through the Psalms right now. So is, so is my wife. I found out another lady in our church is reading through the Psalms right now. And, mm. And you see that. You see, I mean, uh, you see the struggle of David's life, but yep. then he's rejoicing. You see the struggle yep. of David's life, but he's rejoicing. Yep. And there's always a, uh, a resolution into, into rejoicing. Yeah. Uh, why? Because I have an objective reason to be joyful. Yeah. It's yeah. Not, not just this subjective thing. Yeah. I, yeah I, was, I was reading through the Psalms during that time, and I was just struck by that. Things were pretty hard for that dude, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had people, <laughs> I have had people that I felt like did want to kill me. Um, <laughs> they haven't literally come after me with, with weapons yet, uh, close to it. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I was struck by David's willingness to praise his way through. I, there's this book, kind of a, an allegorical book on the life of David that I read one time. And, uh, and I think this is the reason why is because David, David knew that God was the one who put him on the throne. And there's this scene in the book where, He's having to leave the throne because his rebellious son, Absalom, is coming to mm-hmm. take the city. And he looks at his warriors and he said, God put me on the throne. And if God wants me to stay on the throne, he'll keep me on the throne. Mm-hmm. And it says, and he walked out of the out of the throne room in that faith. Yeah. Right. And knew that God was in charge. God sees the end from the beginning and does all things well. Yeah. That's all things right. good. Cool. Well, this is strong encouragement, right? It is. Amen. We yeah. have God's word for it. The promise of the one who cannot lie. The solemn oath of the God who cannot die. Amen. And so, as always, as Russ would say, that's been super helpful. It's been super helpful. <laughs> I like you as a host, by the way. <laughs> well, thanks, Thank man. Yeah. It's been fun. Yeah. It's been fun. It kind of stretched my, like, uh, having to, th- uh, like, think about more than just what I want to say. Yeah. You know? No, it's good. I uh, usually let, let Russ do that, but yeah. uh, that's been good. Well, um, as Russ would say, as always, we uh, uh, pray and, and hope and trust that you will go know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord overall. Amen to that. We'll see you guys. See you guys. Hello and welcome to Cold Pizza. Our weekly podcast from Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio, where we take the opportunity to squeeze out Oops. every last We do need rest for something. Proclamation of God's word on Sunday.